Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Let's talk backstory. It's one of the trickiest things to get onto the page. Too much of it and your reader loses track, forgets, or even stops caring about what's happening in the present of your story. On today's episode of Writer Unleashed, I'll talk about the three most common mistakes writers make about backstory and three tips to use backstory intentionally and strategically. Stay tuned. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach, and each week we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. Whether we're writing fiction or memoir, knowing how to include essential information that brings the reader up to speed on your story's present is tricky. We often think that the story only makes sense if we load in all that essential backstory. So before we dive in, let's get clear on what backstory is. Backstory is everything that happened before we meet your character on page one. It's everything that shaped your main character's worldview, their behavior, their belief system, the way they relate to other characters, the things that caused them emotional pain in the story's present. It's the events, the people, the experiences that had a hand in shaping who your character is and why they desire the thing that's urging them through the story. But here are some common missteps I see beginning writers make with backstory. Number one, writing way more backstory than necessary. Now, backstory is useful to you as the writer, but it's not all useful to your reader, and it doesn't all have to be on the page. It can be summarized, it can be hinted at, but it shouldn't take up a lot of narrative space. That's because it's overwhelming for the reader to absorb long chunks of backstory and it pulls the reader out of the world of your story. The reader can lose track of, forget, even lose interest in what's happening in the present of the story. They can grow impatient, and this is where they stop reading, because backstory stops your story's momentum, and it puts your story in reverse. So if you must 
use backstory, use it judiciously and intentionally. Misstep number two, giving too much away too soon. Backstory can deflate your story's suspense. What lures readers from sentence to sentence and from page to page is curiosity and expectation. So it's better to withhold and dispense essential information over time so that we can arouse our readers' curiosity and also stoke some expectations. Part of the thrill of reading is to see if our expectations play out or if they're thwarted in some unexpected way. So giving it all away too soon takes all the air out of your story's tension. And misstep number three, not distributing the backstory strategically. It's either put on too much in the beginning or it's weighted in one chapter, or it goes on for several chapters, but it's usually put on in big globs of text, and it takes up a lot of narrative space. Now, readers want to stay grounded in your story. They want to be in the now of your story, because that's what feels immediate to them. When backstory isn't strategic, when it's not relevant to what's happening in a particular scene in the story's present, the reader loses focus and interest. So yes, backstory is useful to you as the writer, but it doesn't all have to be on the page, and most of it can be summarized and distributed intentionally throughout your story. So here are my three tips to writing backstory that doesn't put your story on snooze. Number one, less is best. Readers don't need as much backstory as you think they do. They only need what's relevant to what your character is living through in any given moment. We can infer a lot about what happened before page one. And here's a great example. This is the opening to Raymond Carver's story, Why Don't You Dance? In the kitchen, he poured another drink and looked at the bedroom suite in his front yard. The mattress was stripped and the candy-striped sheets lay beside two pillows on the chiffonier. Except for that, things looked much the way they had in the bedroom nightstand and reading lamp on his side of the bed, nightstand and reading lamp on her side, his side, her side. He considered this as he sipped the whiskey. Okay, so this beginning doesn't dive headlong into what happened before the furniture wound up on the lawn. We infer that there was a breakup before page one and that it wasn't exactly peaceful. So it lets the past bear some pressure on the present moment. And this works great in story openings. So rather than spoon feed your reader all the details, give them clues provoke their expectations. Let them wonder if those expectations will play out. Trust that your reader can fill in the white space. The reader actually wants to collaborate with what's on the page to fill in what's not said. So let's say you have 
a backstory that's essential to understanding where your character is right now. Try summarizing it. Now, Annie Prue does this a lot in her short stories. Her first paragraphs typically will start with this long shot summarizing decades of the main character's life and then zooming into the present inciting moment of the character's life now. So less is best. Number two, weave backstory in as flashback. So rather than think of backstory as information, think of it in terms of episodic flashbacks. Be strategic. Again, you want to go for relevance. You want your flashbacks relevant to what's happening in the present moment. It's relevant when it relates to your character's desires, goals, internal conflicts, and so on. It gives us deeper insight into the inner life of your character. Now, flashbacks are ideally launched from something that's happening in the story's present. And then the memory is then launched back into the present. So there's a dialogue between the present moment and the past. Think about how your own memory works. You're going about your day, you're driving in your car, and then a particular song comes up on the radio and you're instantly launched back into the days that your father drove you and your brother to Rockaway Beach. And then you linger there for a while and maybe you stay on the beach for a bit and then something in that memory launches you back into your present. So there's a relationship between your particular memory and what's happening in the now of the story. So your past and your present have a dialogue. They're both posing questions, they're answering questions, and they're posing new questions. Now, Richard Yates' novel, Revolutionary Road, uses flashbacks masterfully. So for example, when we first meet Frank Wheeler and his wife, April, we're at her failed amateur play at a school theater. Now, April is humiliated, and the couple is leaving the school and walking down the school hallway. And Frank has this flashback about April telling him about a particular humiliating incident that happened to her in high school when she had her first menstruation and ran out of the classroom to the bathroom with a blood stain on the back of her skirt. So the memory of her telling him that is triggered by their walk down the school hallway and the look of humiliation on her face. And then the memory launches back into the present. So there are some parallels between what's happening in the present and the backstory. Now, this flashback is not only relevant to the present moment, it also foreshadows what happens towards the end of the novel when April induces her own abortion. Now, we're spared the gory details of her abortion, but because the image of the blood stain was imprinted in our consciousness early on through the flashback, we either consciously or subconsciously see that image later on in the novel. So this particular piece of backstory is relevant and resonant. Number three, reflect the central conflict. 
Now, backstory can reflect your character's central internal conflict. Now, we all have patterns. So our behaviors, our emotional defaults, the things that are happening in our present can often be traced back to or wrapped up in an incident or event from our childhood. And there's this great flashback in Revolutionary Road. So in the scene, Richard Yates brings us back to a particular day in Frank Wheeler's childhood when he accompanied his father to work. And as he steps inside his father's business universe, Frank experiences a range of sensations. He feels thrill in the bustle and the energy of New York City and the novelty of wearing his first suit and tie. He feels, quote, a shiver of wonder as he gazes up at the building where his father works. He feels pleasure in seeing his own dignified reflection in the barbershop window. But then he feels dread as he rides the elevator that gives, quote, no sense of flight, but only of confinement and nausea. And then he feels repulsion as he eats lunch with his father's overweight boss, whose mouth is, quote, clinging and trembling with spittle. So this backstory is relevant and resonant because it contains the DNA of the conflicting emotions that plague Frank as the novel presses forward. It dramatizes his evolving struggle between his desire to break free from his job and his impulse to stay. So this isn't a piece of backstory that's just giving background information. It's dramatizing his conflicting desires that impact the story's events. Now, what I'd like you to do next is to experiment with eliminating all the backstory from your story. Put it away in a separate file. I like to call these outtakes. Now, you can always put them back in, but see if your story holds up without the backstory. Then see what you can infer or hint at or make more relevant. Keep these tips in mind. Number one, less is always more. Number two, weave in small pieces of backstory as flashback. And number three, Use backstory to reflect the central conflict. Remember, always go for relevance and resonance. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Writer Unleashed. More free resources are available at nancypannuccio.com. So head on over there to grab your gifts. And if you want to connect with more like-minded writers and with me, join us in our private Facebook group over at facebook.com slash groups slash writer unleashed community. It's totally free to join. I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Till then, keep writing and I'll talk to you soon.